I speak with half the passion and heart that Mo just led us in worship. We'll be fine this morning. So I'm going to uh, speak on the Holy Spirit tomorrow morning at my class, but that's for tomorrow, for today, for right now. I'm asking that the Spirit of God would touch every single one of you as we break forth his word that those of you who just need to be encouraged would be encouraged by the Holy Spirit of God. Those of you who need some healing would be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Those of you who just need to find something fresh in your life, that maybe today would be the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit that would take you into a new place and a good place and a good level. May the Holy Spirit meet your hearts this morning. So when my younger son was in high school, uh, he was a pitcher on the Laguna Beach varsity baseball team. And whenever he would pitch, it would be nervous time for me. <laughs> As all of you parents know when your kids are growing up and they are competing and they are doing sports or maybe the band or theater or dance, you, you get amped up, you want them to do well. And um, on this particular day it was late in the season and the team was fighting for the playoffs and my son was pitching and it just took about an inning. I could tell this home plate umpire was not very good. He wasn't very good for my son's team, but he wasn't very good for the other team either. And slowly, I began to complain from the stands. <laughs> hey, um, come on. You got to open up the strike zone a little bit. You're missing some pitches here. And uh, as the game went on, he got no better at all. But I got better in my complaining. <laughs> I was like, come on up. You, it, you just, everything is so close, and you're just missing the pitch. Anyway, by the end of the game, like I was louder and louder, and I was like completely out of line. <laughs> completely out of line. It's embarrassing to talk about it. <laughs> it is. The problem was that all the Laguna fans knew that I was a pastor. <laughs> they all knew I was a Christian, but besides that, some of you who have been in town a long time might remember that I was also writing a weekly Christian column in the local newspaper. <laughs> it was called Lifting the Veil, in which I sought to impart Christ in creative and inspiring ways to the community. I wrote that column for almost 10 years. It was called Lifting the Veil, and I had a great time doing it. Jerry Ledbetter was the owner and publisher of the paper, and he was a Christian, and I could write anything I wanted. Back to the game. As the game ended, one of the parents said, hey, Jay, why don't you write about your behavior today? Why don't you write about your behavior today in your column next week? and tell everybody how you really are. <laughs> Gosh, it was such a humiliation. And I realized that I was behaving exactly the opposite of what I've been writing about for years. And so I did. The next week in my column, I wrote an apology to the community for my behavior at that game. 
wasn't that funny, really. <laughs> and I said, you know, I said, like, I've got to confess to you, I had a really terrible time of weakness, and I was out of line. My carnality came forth, you know, and my selfishness. And, uh, and uh, I, to this day, uh, feel like my witness and my testimony uh, on that particular day at the baseball game may have done more damage than all the good that I ever wrote in all those years. I hope, I hope not. But um, the title of that column, I looked at it this week. I pulled out my old string book. It was titled, Reprehensible Behavior. <laughs> so anyway, this story that I just shared ties beautifully into our passage this morning. Our passage this morning, well, I could title it a number of different titles, but be doers of the word and not merely hearers. That would be a good title. Or how about, why don't you not be a hypocrite? <laughs> <laughs> or why don't you live out what you believe or what you say you believe? And so it's really, this message is really a basic Christianity 101 teaching. But hopefully the Spirit of God is going to bring something fresh for us this morning. So what I want to do for the message is I want to introduce uh, our passage, which is from James chapter 1, 19 through 27. I want to introduce the passage with three scriptures first. And the first scripture is very familiar to you. It's from Matthew chapter 7. It is the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is some of Jesus' best teaching, uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the book of Matthew. And after Jesus has delivered this glorious teaching, he says to the crowd that's listening to him, and it was a rather large crowd, everyone who hears, and I'm putting in cap letters for the key words in most of my overhead today, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. They hear them and they do them. They are like a wise man who built his house upon a rock, and when the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house, it did not fall as it had been founded upon a rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house, and great was its fall. Now this is, a, this is a passage that I know we're familiar with. It's very easy to understand. Jesus is saying, I've just given you like volumes of this wonderful teaching. Now have you heard it? Because if you have, you need to go ahead and do it. And I've, you've heard me say this before uh, over the years when I've been speaking here, that there's two kinds of people who are in church this morning. There are those of you who will hear what God is saying in this message through James. You will hear what God has said, and you will leave this place, and you will seek to put it into your life. You seek to put it into action. And then there are those of you who will come, and then you will, you will leave here, and you'll say, oh, that was a nice message, and you'll go home, and you just will not think about it again. Two kinds of people in church services all over the country this morning. Those who hear the word and do it. A wise man, Jesus says. A wise man who's like 
the one who's built his house upon a rock. And when the storms of life come, it won't fall. But the one who hears my words and does not do them is a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the storms of life come, his life's going to be a catastrophe because he hasn't built a strong foundation in God. Again, this is Christianity 101. This is the basics of who we are as believers, that we listen to what God has said and we simply do it. We listen and we do it. It's not difficult. Next passage is from Luke. And there's a woman listening to Jesus' teaching and she gets overwhelmed and she says to Jesus, she cried out and said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. In other words, she's saying, wow, how, what an honor for this woman that gave birth to you. And Jesus doesn't contradict her, but he does say, blessed rather, or even more blessed, are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, I'm just going to make an, a, a simple statement here. God's word, the things that he asks us to do, are not just to see if we will obey them, God gives us his word because when we do obey him, our lives are better. Amen? Amen? Like if you do what God says, your life's going to work out better than it has. Doesn't mean, that, doesn't mean that there's no problems, no challenges. We all have that. But what Jesus is saying to us, what God is saying, if you just do what I ask you to do, things are going to go much better than otherwise. The third passage, very familiar to all of you, is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 16 and 17, and it talks about the inspiration of Scripture, that God used James. James wrote the book, but God wrote through James. Do you understand that? It wasn't, these aren't just James' words. God used James. This is what inspiration is. The definition of inspiration is God uses the human vessel, like Paul, Peter, James, or John, and he writes through them to communicate to us what he wants us to know. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says all scripture, how much scripture? All. All, all scripture is inspired by God. Literally in the Greek, God breathed. God breathed. It's inspired by God and it's profitable for instruction, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And if there's any book in the entire New Testament, the book of James does this, I think, as good or better than any other book as far as giving profitable instruction, reproof, and correction. Like, James doesn't mince words. He doesn't mince words at all. He just gives it to us like it is. He's not, like, really nice. <laughs> he's, he's nice, but he's very direct. <laughs> well, you know, parents can be too nice. You don't ever say anything to your kids, you know, like, shape up. But a direct word is what God gives us in James. All right, um, I have... I divided our passage today, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 to 27, in three sections. And we're going to look uh, here uh, at the first section uh, in James. Understand this, my beloved brethren, 
Understand this. In other words, heads up, this is important. And he calls them my beloved brethren. There's a, so there's a relationship here of affection. And it doesn't do much good here for us, for, for Jeff or myself or anyone else who speaks, if we're speaking and you're not feeling loved by us. You know, you, you need to know that when you come to Little Church by the Sea, that the pastors here, the pastor staff loves you. Like I look at Toby up here when she dismissed the kid. She loves your kids. See, and that's, what, that's, the, that's when it's all said and done, when life is over, really what counts is how you've loved. And, and, and that love's got to come out when we preach. You need, you need to know that I love you and I love the opportunity to speak this word this morning that, uh, that you can be built up and hopefully encouraged. So heads up, listen, understand this, my beloved brethren. Now he's going to give like the first, like this is like right out the gate here in this section. He's going to speak directly to us. Let everyone be quick to hear. And I put in parentheses there, be a ready listener. That's in the Amplified Bible. Be a ready listener. Be quick to hear. But, so he says there's one thing that you need to be quick in. You need to be quick to hear but there's three things you need to be slow in. You need to be slow to speak, number one. Number two, you need to be slow to take offense. And number three, you need to be slow to get angry. So here's, here's the wisdom in what God is saying here. Be quick, you and I need to be quick to hear, but be slow to speak, slow to take offense, and slow to get angry. In other words, God is saying to us in this passage, hey, everybody, slow down. That makes me feel good just to say it. <laughs> slow, because I'm always going 100,000 miles an hour. Always. Jay, slow down. In fact, Nikki, Nikki says this when she's driving with me. Jay, <laughs> slow down. It's okay. We're going to get there. Slow down. So notice the progression here of speaking, taking offense, and getting angry. It kind of goes together. If you hear something, and let's say you're not slow to speak, but you're quick to speak, and the reason you're quick to speak is because maybe you want to disagree with just what's just been said. You disagree. And what happens is, as you are quick to speak, and you disagree, then what happens next? You take offense. And then what happens after you take offense and the ar argument escalates? Well, then you get angry. And that's, that's what happens. So God is speaking through James, and he has a high value for you and I to be good listeners, but not speaking a lot. You know, the Proverbs say this over and over and over. The Proverbs say, if you can speak with self-control, you will live a long life. But a hasty response can ruin everything in your life. Proverbs 13, 3. Be careful how quick, quickly you respond. So, I love this. I've said this before to you, but I love this, this, this little saying. Speak in anger, and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. 
Think about that. How many times have you done that? How many times have you said something that you wish you hadn't said? You said it too quickly. You just stuck. I got to see hands up in the back already. You just put your foot right into your mouth. Like, I've done it so many times, you guys, it's embarrassing. I'm not even sure I'm qualified to be up here for the number of times <laughs> I have been angry. <laughs> I, I got to tell you this corny joke. Like, so there was this man, young man who wanted to be a, uh, he wanted to be a monk. And so he became a monk and the abbot said to him, uh, you, you need to take a, a, a vow of silence for five years. But after five years, you can speak. You can speak two words. So he was silent for five years, and then the abbot said, well, you can speak your two words. And the man said, food, bad. <laughs> so he was silent for another five years. And after the second five years of silence, he got to say two more words. And he said, bed, hard. And then after five more years, he was experiencing his vow of silence, and when he got to the end, the abbot said, you may speak your two words. And he slowly got angry, and he said, I quit. <laughs> and the abbot said, well, I am not surprised at all. All you've been doing for 15 years is complaining. <laughs> I don't know quite how that fits in the message. I couldn't pass it up. I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> I knew this joke was going to work because I told my wife and she laughed at it. So, all right. Um, so what happens when we mess up? When we get angry and we have a, a broken relationship. How many of you ever gotten angry and then suddenly you've lost a friend? Like, it happens to all of us. What do we do to restore friendship? How do we repair a fractured relationship. How do we make things right, even if we think the other person was wrong? So I'm just going to give you five things that I do when I fall into a relationship that um, is not good. The next uh, slide here. If we get angry with someone, how do we deal with it? The first thing we do is apologize. And it doesn't matter if you think that you're right or not. I'll tell you in every argument, there are two sides to it. And the first thing we do is apologize. The second thing we do is we, we forgive. And the forgiveness is not based on whether the other person asked for forgiveness or not. You just choose to forgive because God has forgiven you. So God says to us in the Lord's Prayer, so you need to forgive others. The third and the fourth and the fifth ones are kind of difficult sometimes. Number three, we don't want to speak to others about the problem. In other words, we don't want to commiserate with somebody. Do you know what happened with me and John? You know, we had this big fight and he was really saying things that were cruel and mean and I'm really upset and I need to talk to somebody about it. We don't do that. God doesn't want us spreading that kind of, that kind of uh, relation, relational like uh, information with anybody else. The fourth thing is, and I think it's the most important, is to bless those who have hurt you. Like that's the hardest one. Jesus said, love those who hate you. Bless those who've cursed you. Pray for those who have despitefully used you. So when 
When we have a broken down relationship, the first thing we need to do after we forgive that person is when we pray is to begin to bless them. Lord, I, I, I bless John. I'm not feeling like blessing John, God, but I bless him. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you give John a great week? And meanwhile, you're, like you're hurting inside because John said something cruel and mean to you. It doesn't matter. You bless him anyway. And I'll tell you, you will turn the tide of your own feelings and you will help that relationship get better. So who in your life right now have you been experiencing a fractured relationship? I want to encourage you when you leave here today to call that person this next week. Call that person and seek to reconcile because I'm pretty sure that there's nothing that makes God happier than when his people reconcile. When you make up with someone, when you, doesn't matter if you're at fault or they're at fault, but you come together and you find friendship again. The healing and the joy. And I don't know who it is in your life, but there's a few of you here that need to make that call this week and call somebody up and say, you know, I, we had this breakdown and I'm feeling like I'd like to make it right. So let's, let's talk about it. All right, so, uh, Nan, can you put back the passage 19 through 21 again? Thank you. All right, then the last verse, 21, so get rid of all filth and sin in your life and in humility receive the word of God which is able to save your souls. Again, like James doesn't mince words. I tried to like soften this here. Get rid of all filth. I thought, that's not a very good word. So then I looked up the word, you know, in all my little commentaries and books that I have. That, that's, that's, that, that's not a strong word for the word that's being used. It's extreme wickedness. He said, get rid of it. Well, some of that could be the anger problem that you might have. But, but what it's really saying is, uh, whatever is in your life today, and I'm speaking to myself as I'm speaking to you, Whatever that's in your life that has maybe latched onto your life and that you know is wrong, God says here, get rid of all of it. So it could be that you judge people. It could be that you criticize people. It could be that you're a complainer. Or it could be more practical things like you're caught up in pornography or you cheat or you lie or you steal. Whatever it is, Get rid of it. This is the word of the Lord to Little Church by the Sea today. It's embarrassing to know how many men are caught up in pornography. Up to almost 70% of men dabble or are addicted to it. Get rid of it if it's in your life. Not just men, by the way, it's also women. But it's a huge problem. Drugs, get rid of them. This is what James is directly speaking to us. He's speaking to me, Jay. Get rid of your anger. Get rid of it. Take control over it. Ask me to help you. This is the word of the Lord to us today. We want to be righteous people. So I've chosen uh, a, a passage in Psalm 24. If you'll go up a couple of slides, uh, Nan. Uh, so there's a Psalm 24. 
should be in there, right here, there it is. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place? In other words, who can go before God, stand in his presence, and feel good about themselves? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart, who have not lifted up their soul to what is false, nor been deceitful, they shall be blessed of the Lord and given righteousness from the God of their salvation. Again, the heartbeat of our message is be doers of the word and not merely hearers. We need to leave here this morning, I need to leave here this morning, and be doers of what God has said. All right, our next section, our next section is James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, and this is the central part, this is the central theme of what we're studying this morning. This is, this is the loud and blaring trumpet call which so relates to that introductory passage in Matthew 7. Be doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. <laughs> it's just not doing you any good, folks. If you just listen to this message this morning and you think, oh, I'm feeling good because I heard a Christian message and then go home and forget everything about it. It does you no good. Zilcho, nada, nothing. Be doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Anyone who hears the word but does not do what it says is like a person who carefully looks at their face in a mirror and after looking, walk away and forget what they look like. But if you look carefully at the perfect law, God's commands that give you freedom and are faithful to it and persevere, not becoming a forgetful listener but an effectual doer, you shall be blessed in what you do. So here we go. God just says, you know, if you, if you listen to what I say and you do what I say, you are going to be blessed. Now, I want to I illustrate that thing about the mirror. I've got a mirror here. And it says here, this, the person who does not do what God says is like one who looks in a mirror and after looking at it, walks away and forgets what they've just looked at. So I'm looking at this mirror right now. Whoa, looking pretty good actually <laughs> for my age. Have you ever been to a party and gone into the bathroom and what's the first thing that you do, right? You look in the mirror, right? So, but let's just say I'm looking in this mirror and I open my mouth and there's a big piece of lettuce stuck right here in my front teeth. And I go, whoa, I'm looking pretty good but ah, I'm not gonna do anything about that lettuce just going to stay there. I'm, I'm going to walk back out into the party and, hey, everybody. And then I got a big piece of lettuce right in my front teeth. This is what the passage is saying. You, you hear the word of God. It comes right before you, looking at it like in a mirror. And you're convicted and you see what's wrong. And you do nothing about it. Be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves, who delude themselves. So the call of the Holy Spirit this morning in James chapter 1 is let's get our house in order. Let's get your personal house in order. Let's get rid of the things that we know are not good. We all know what they are. This is God saying to us, I want your life to improve. I want your life to get better. 
I want you to be blessed in all that you do. And you will if you take the piece of lettuce out of your front teeth. What is the piece of lettuce in your life? What needs to be pulled out? What needs to be let go? How about just putting Jesus first instead of yourself? I battle with this every single day. Who's going who's gonna to be first? Is it going to be me or is it going to be God? Every single day. And most days, I hope that God is the one that rises up and reigns in my life and it's not me. I can usually, I can usually ascertain when I put myself first because it's just a day of me and selfishness is what it is. So God says he'll release freedom to us. It gives us freedom to do what God says. Doesn't, doesn't that inspire your heart? Like some of us are bound today. Who wants to experience the freedom of the kingdom of God? It's just doing what God says. Simply doing. And it's a little bit of a battle right now, folks, because in the culture that we live in, there's people calling good evil and calling evil good. It's not easy. It's not easy to stand up for righteousness in love. It's not easy sometimes in the world that we are now living in. So can I have that passage back up one more time, Nan? Thank you. I want to look at that word there, which I think is a word God's been speaking to us for well over a year. The word, and Jeff mentioned it pretty strongly, but I think he used the word endure, persevere. The Christian life is a life of perseverance. The Christian, and we sang a song about, it doesn't matter, God, what's going on, I'm still going to love you. That, that's perseverance. It doesn't matter, God, what's happening in my life. It doesn't matter, God, how hard things are. It doesn't matter what challenges I'm facing. I, I'm, I'm going on with you. I'm going on with you. I said to Nikki, I said to Nikki last night, I said to Nikki, well, actually, Nikki said to me, she said, I'd do it all over again. I said, what? She said, I would, I would, knowing what's happened for the past 46 years, all that we've gone through, I would do it again. I would marry you again. I said, are you sure? <laughs> are you just having a good night? Just, just, I just think back about these. She says, no, 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 I, I, I love you. I would, I would marry you in a heartbeat in a second, you see. Because we, we persevered. We persevered. There's two times where we came close to a divorce, but we just kept going. And we said, we're not going to go there. We persevere. It doesn't mean there aren't times where divorces are right. I, I know that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that perseverance, like the Christian life is, you just keep going with God. Amen? You, keep, I, I, you fall down, you get back up. Amen? You mess up, you get back up. You fail, you get back up. And you say, well, I'm going to do better next time. You just keep going on. That's, everything's successful in life. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Mark Ellis right there, who has his this big ministry going, this God reports, and it started off so difficult for him. He didn't even quite know what he was doing, but he just kept at it. How many hits did you have last year, Mark, on your website? 3.7 million hits on his website. And he started off with nothing except an idea. You just keep going. You keep going at it. You're, you, you don't give up. You, you, you mess up. You fail. You, 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 you are just, your faith gets weak. 
You just pull yourself up. I'm just not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Helps to be a Scot, by the way, to, to, to not quit, because Scots, they don't quit. Just, just by nature. All right, uh, our last section. I got two minutes. If anyone thinks they are religious or spiritual, I put in parentheses, but you do not control your tongue, you are deluding yourself, and your religion is worthless. So right back to where we were in the first passage. Be quick to listen, slow to hear, slow to take offense, slow to get angry. That's true spirituality, to be able to control your tongue. 27, this is pure and undefiled religion, and man, James is just going to like, just going to shoot it right at us again, just straight arrow. You want to be spiritual in the sight of God the Father? Visit and care for orphans and widows in their distress, and keep yourself unstained from the world. Just right there, there it is. I don't have to hardly teach that. It just says it like it is. Well, you go, I don't know any or widows or orphans. Well, then just find somebody who's experiencing weakness. This is really what it's saying. Find somebody who's in trouble, who's weak, who's struggling, and be there for them. But you might know, I remember when I was in grade school, I went to Holy Family School in Orange, and I used to walk from the school to Watson's Drugstore to get a candy bar after school. And I walked by these old craftsman-style houses on Glossel Avenue, and out in front were these little ladies sitting in a rocking chair all by themselves, not looking very happy. There's people like that all over the place that just could just use a word, a, a smile, or, hi, I'm Jay, I live, I live down the street from you. Maybe there's somebody on your street. Hi, I'm, 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 I, I just wanted to say hello. I've never, or maybe someone's moved in the neighborhood and you just take them a, a potted plant, you know, and say, here, here's an ivy for you, you know, just something nice, you know, something to bless somebody. All, all of you have widows or orphans in your life. Somebody who just needs a word, just needs a hug. Somebody who just needs a smile. Somebody who needs to know that you care. That's true spirituality. And then right back, the whole message has been the last sentence. Keep yourself unstained from the world. In other words, put God first and be careful that you do not allow them. The world here is not the natural world. The the Greek word for world is a system. The system of the world that seeks to replace God. That's what the world is. Be careful about greed, power, prestige, too much entertainment, all of that stuff. That's the world. Let's all stand. Lord, now as we close, God, I pray for us I pray for us, O oh Spirit of the living God, that you would give us the strength to cut loose, to cut loose things that we know are not right or are not good for our lives, that we know diametrically are opposed to your word. Help us, God, in that we love you, Lord, to increase our love and increase our walk with you by saying no to these things that drag us far away from your presence. And I pray, Lord, uh, in just wanting to encourage our church, God, wanting to build the church up, God, in this word from James, that all of us, as we leave this place today, would be doers of the word 
and not merely hearers. Help us, God, to listen to your word and to obey it because it's going to be a blessing to our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to tell us what is good and what isn't. We praise you this morning here at Little Church by the Sea. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.